Hey, Dylan here. Before we roll the intro and get into today's episode, there's something that I quickly want to share with all of you listening to this. So given the current situation in the world, live content is becoming more and more important for SaaS companies right now. Webinars, roundtables, and online events are taking over. And if you've tried running any of these yourself, you know just how difficult they can be. And that's where today's sponsor can help. Restream allows you to broadcast live, engaging video directly from your browser to 30 plus social networks at the same time. They power over 8 million live streams every single month and are already trusted by companies like Cisco, IBM, and Microsoft. And more importantly, I love Restream and I'm using it every single day. So with this sponsorship, they're enabling us to take this podcast and my own live streams to the next level so that we can bring you even better interviews. If you would want to try it out, please visit restree.am forward slash Dylan. That's R-E-S-T-R-E dot A-M forward slash Dylan. It'll take you straight to the homepage and show them that you came from this podcast. They have a great free plan that you can use to test it out. And you'll also get a $10 credit when signing up using that link. So once again, that's restree.am forward slash Dylan. Okay, let's get into today's show and roll the intro. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the SaaS Marketing Show, a weekly podcast for founders and marketers within SaaS and B2B tech. You'll be hearing from senior marketers and founders at some of the most exciting companies in the world. You can expect to hear advice, results of experiments, and exactly what's working behind the scenes of some rapidly growing SaaS and B2B technology companies. No top-level BS, actionable stuff only. My name is Dylan Hay, and I'm one of the co-founders of Hay Digital, a PPC and CRO agency that helps SaaS and B2B technology companies grow. I just happen to also be the host of this show. So when we're not interviewing senior marketers or founders, we'll be sharing behind the scenes of our business and exactly what's working for our own customers, many of whom are just like you listening to this podcast. Okay, let's get into today's show. So I'm really excited today to be joined by Florian, who is the marketing lead at Container Exchange. So Container Exchange is an online platform connecting container leasing companies, carriers, and freight forwarders to help them exchange shipping containers. I'm really excited to have Florian on the show today and to actually explore how Container Exchange market to a more, I guess, traditional industry than we often hear about on this podcast and how they've grown into the leading SaaS within their niche. So Florian, I'm really excited to have you here. Welcome to today's show. Thanks for having me, man. Love the intro. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So as I said in the, in the intro, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today. You and I talked about this a little bit before we, before we hit record and, and press play on this, that... I think typically within the SaaS world, on these podcasts, on different shows, et cetera, it's very easy for us to sometimes get sucked into those more, I guess, like sexy sounding and looking MarTech companies and stuff like that. I'm very interested to learn a bit more about Container Exchange specifically and how, as a marketer at a business like that, how you're, I guess, like adapting your target audience to this more SaaS-focused model. Maybe to just get things started, I gave a like a brief intro. Hopefully I did an okay job of that, but maybe you could let us know a little bit more about Container Exchange and kind of what you guys do for everyone listening. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, man, you did a great job. Uh, when I joined uh, two years ago, I did know, didn't know anything about container logistics. When I started, my, my target audience was more on Instagram and Snapchat. And now with Container Exchange, we are targeting container owners and users. We connect them on our neutral platform 
um, to make it easy to use third-party equipment because most of the time they have equipment in a location where they have no demand. That's why they go to a container exchange to find a partner who kind of repositions containers. And yeah, I mean, our target audience, you named it correctly, are leasing companies, freight forwarding companies, carriers. And if you talk about the people um, behind these companies, uh, most of them are male, 50 plus. They are in their industry since 25, 30 years. So, so yeah, in the beginning, it was a huge challenge for me to kind of adapt to the target audience. But, but like shortly after starting, I realized that it's actually a big opportunity because, I mean, we talked about it briefly already that in other industries, you have millions of webinars, you compete with many, many other com uh, companies. And for, for especially me in marketing, there's almost no, no like there's no competition when you um, run webinars, um, even for, for email marketing, PR. So people are actually looking for these stories and that's a huge advantage if you kind of look at how, how other SaaS companies are doing or solving challenges and you apply it to container logistics, it's perfect. Yeah, I know we said just before we hit record, I said to you, I'm, I would guess it's like pretty fun to be working in a space where SaaS isn't necessarily the, the go-to, like people haven't been oversaturated by these typical marketing channels. And you said like, yes, it's, it's exciting, but it's also a challenge, right? Because it's like new to these people, but the exciting side is you can replicate things uh, and probably see potentially better results because of less competition, et cetera. So yeah, that's really cool. One thing we're going to talk about specifically on today's show is uh, how Container Exchange grew to 300 plus customers within two years in an old fashioned industry like shipping logistics, right? And I know that a couple of the core elements that we'll touch on are like PR and uh, email outreach and cold email. But before we, before we head down that road, um, maybe let's set the scene a little bit in terms of what the business looks like at Container Exchange. So uh, I know I just said in the intro that we'll be talking about how you got to 300 plus customers. Um, you don't have to share like exact revenue size or, or anything like that, but maybe you could just share a bit more information to, to set the scene about um, what the business looks like at the moment. That'd be great. Yeah, sure. Basically, yeah, we're a SaaS business. People pay a monthly subscription fee to, to access the entire platform. In addition to that, there are some variables in terms of like payment handling and people can um, book uh, premium features. But that's basically what we do. Our target audience are mainly small and medium-sized companies, but also these uh, big um, enterprise companies such as Kühn and Nagel or Maersk that I think everyone knows. And yeah, when I started, we were like eight people in Hamburg, Germany. Now we grew to a team of, um, I think we're 65 now in two years. So that was what was quite a, like a steep learning curve for myself, but also some growth for the company. And yeah, and PR, email outreach were specifically two things that we used. And especially for myself in the beginning, email outreach is something that you can it's pretty much like uh, you press a button and, um, and it starts uh, to grow if the setup is correct. And then PR was something that we like build up for, for a longer period of time. Yeah. I was looking on, on Crunchbase as well before we did this interview. And I know that it said on there that you guys raised like a Series A round in 2019. So I just want to make it clear to everyone that although we're not sharing like specific revenue numbers, most people know what it takes in order to come on this show. Like you guys definitely are at a point where it's not like a super early stage business anymore. You've yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe to set the stage, um, originally our two co-founders started at the Boston Consulting Group. They were consultants for, I guess, more than five years. And then they slowly built the first um, MVP um, still back at BCG. And then now a little bit more than two years ago, they spin off with the help of two um, venture capitalists. And now actually a few months ago, we raised our Series A to, to kind of grow this more from, yeah, from a small, smaller group of customers to, to yeah. 
through the entire industry, basically. Oh, awesome. And what does your marketing team look like at the moment? Because I know you said you've seen a lot of growth, like from eight people when you joined to 60 something now. How many people are in marketing? What does that look like? Perfect timing because we just hired our first marketing graphic designer before I jumped on the call. That's really cool. Other than that, I'm kind of leading the team. We've got someone for social media and events, someone for, for SEO content, and then one person for, for email outreach. But what we learned is that we have a few freelancers here and there that kind of support us on different channels, which is super useful for us as well. Awesome. Yeah. Congratulations on that new hire. We're, we're sharing a special day together then because we just... <laughs> A, a digital designer join our team today, the day we're recording this as Concrete, well. Finally, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Not so just you, me on PowerPoint anymore. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, so let's jump into um, the two kind of core areas that we're going to focus on about how you guys have grown is, as we said, PR and cold email. Uh, I think I would love to start with cold email, if that's okay, mm -hmm. just because I know many people who will be listening to this are often kind of like either early stage SaaS founders or marketers at like mid-stage SaaS companies. And one thing that I see all the time when people are first starting out, cold email seems to be one of those like go-to channels that everyone flocks to. And I think it's because it looks quite attractive from the outside in the case of, hey, you just set this up, you press go, and then you don't really need to do too much. I know you mentioned that when it's done properly, it can look like that. But I know for probably 85 to 90% of the people that look at it from that angle of it being like a quick win, often that's not the case. So maybe to begin with, you could share a bit of like a, I guess an overview story of how you guys have approached cold email. And then we can jump into a few specifics because I know you sure. said you wanted to share some like, um, some really actionable stuff, which I'm really excited about. But yeah, maybe if you could set the scene a little bit first about how you guys have approached that. Yeah, yeah, sure. It can be can be super easy, but in reality, it's super difficult um, because our industry is limited. If we would just like burn through our email list and send them not personalized emails, um, we would have probably not a single customer after two years um, because we would completely screw up. So, so yeah, in, like we have a working student, like she is focusing 20 hours of her week only for, for email outreach. And if I kind of start um, at the beginning, it starts with list building. So super crucial to, to yeah, um, have the right lists I'm ready. And then we have a few freelancers who we always call it lead qualification, but it's more uh, data enrichment. People who find contact persons most of the time, managing directors at these small and medium-sized companies. And then we use email tools. Right now it is um, Clenty. Before that it was Reply.io to kind of set up an email cadence of four or five emails to, to make the lives of our SDRs here at Exchange a little easier. Because some people get back to us, they're like, hey, we're super interested, where can I sign up? But then obviously the major part just receives that emails, they, they open emails, and then they have at least heard from us once or twice before an SDR reaches out on the phone. And this is kind of our rough setup. But then like that, that's super, super easy. <laughs> but then when, when it comes to two smaller details, it's super, super tricky. Because if you start um, at the beginning of it, no one really likes that job of like stalking people on Google, LinkedIn to find contact information. And it's easy if your target audience is Apple or Microsoft, but it becomes super, super difficult if, you, if it's a small freight forwarding company in Pakistan, for instance, with like five or 10 employees. So, so finding the right freelancers, um, keeping them happy, uh, motivating them, making sure they deliver good quality is the, the biggest part of, of uh, being successful in email outreach, I'd say. And have you found, I guess you may have tested this, I'm not too sure, but have you found going down the route of using freelancers to build those lists? Has that been better for you guys than, obviously there's loads of different 
softwares and tools out there to help you identify people and stuff like that. Have you found that freelancer route to be the best for, for you guys or have you tried both? Yeah. yeah, we kind of do the list building on our own because we, we've built several, several scrape, uh, web scrapers to kind of have uh, built these lists on Excel first. And then we, we do duplicate checks to, to make sure that we don't have the same contact twice on our CRM pipe drive. And then um, in close alignment with our sales team, we say, okay, next week we want to target region A, B, C, D. And then we kind of copy um, rows from that Excel sheet and send it to our freelancer so they can like find contact people, at, contact persons at these companies. Got it. Okay. And roughly how many like emails are you sending on a daily or weekly <laughs> basis? What does that yeah. mean? Back in 2000, end of 2019, it were only 50 per week. Now we scaled it up to one, more than 1,000 contacts per week. So that was, was super, super difficult, but that taught us a lot about um, becoming more efficient in email outreach. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so one thing that I know is super important with any kind of outreach, whether it's like email, social, whatever it might be, is the next step after you found that like well-defined list, of course, is the, is the messaging. So I'm sure you've like <laughs> learned a lot about that over the last couple of years. Maybe I'll phrase this like two separate questions. The first thing that I'm interested in is what the messaging like cadence looks like at the moment and what you've found best from that perspective. Like how many times yeah. following up with people, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. The cadence looks like this. We have five emails scheduled. If I don't get things wrong, like obviously first day, then three days afterwards, and another three days afterwards, then um, we have five days of break, and then the last email goes out. On the breakup email is, um, I think, after two weeks or 15 days. And how we do is it uh, the first email, it's, it's the most important one. It's full of, maybe before I start, we fully adapted to our industry. So we don't use nicely designed HTML5 email templates because they have usually the worst conversion rate. So we use plain text emails full of uh, social proof. We tell them, okay, who of your competitors are already using um, our platform? And then what, what was super difficult in the beginning, and I think this is what sets, up, sets us apart, is that we directly include two concrete offers that we have on our platform. Like we are able to kind of forecast if the headquarter is in, let's say, Dubai, we know that the likelihood um, is high that these two offers um, could be interesting for that company. And that's kind of what, what, like, what increased our um, conversion open reply rates by a lot because people actually get back to us like, yes, that sounds interesting. What are the terms? Or no, these containers in Dubai are not useful for me right now, but do we have equipment in Europe, for instance? Um, that's kind of... Uh, the biggest personalization hack, I'd say. I think this is, this is a really great example of understanding your target like, customer very well. Yeah. Because I think some of what you just said, if let's say, let's say if I was doing email outreach for my agency trying to work with SaaS companies, right? If I went out to them and said, hey, look, like, these are some of the companies we work with. This is a couple of our solutions and what it costs to work with us. Maybe some people might reply, but based on my experience, I would feel like the response probably wouldn't be that significant because people within this space are used to receiving so many emails like that every single day, right? I, and that's just how they do business. I guess within your world, it's slightly different. Like not saying those people aren't receiving emails and cold emails because of course they are, but they're not being, or I would guess they're not being like bombarded by sales emails for tons of other like softwares like yours and i think that's one thing that's interesting is that you've clearly understood that very well and factored that into your into your messaging it's interesting to me to hear that you said one point is your you'll mention for example if their competitors are using their using your software you'll mention that straight away in the email 
And what, what other like little things like that have you tried and experimented with that have worked and maybe some things that you've tried that haven't worked? I think that would be interesting for people listening to this as well. Yeah. 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 I think our biggest learning is to, to not design this as a marketing email, because if it's, if it has a like, super, super nice subject line, nicely designed graphics and so on, people immediately delete it. It's like marketing, nah, not interested, bye. And we adapted to that because in our industry, people actually share these stock lists and offer via email or via social media. And yeah, the best subject line, for instance, for us is quick request. And that has had absolutely the big, by far the biggest open rate for us. And the, the, the way we look at these emails is not, we don't want to directly sell to someone. Our goal is to get a reply and like create some, some, some interest. So we're not like, okay, our tool costs us this much and you can sign up here and blah, blah, blah. It's more like we want to set the stage. We want to get them interested. And then if they're interested, they talk to the sales team, they get to see the product. And this is kind of how we see email marketing as part of the overall sales funnel at Exchange. Sure. So you're not asking them in that first email to like schedule a call or something like that. You're just trying to initiate a response, right? Yeah, we don't really, um, like it does not work if you ask them, hey, um, would you be free tomorrow 4 p.m.? That does not work. What we do is like something like, hey, are you interested in seeing how company A, B, C, D are using our platform to, to create value or for, for a specific reason? That's what, what that's worked really good, yeah. But people usually don't get back to us and say, yes, I'm interested in seeing how my competitor uses this. The biggest um, reply rate is for, yes, I can use this offer. This offer sounds good to me. Can you please give me another offer? This is where we see the biggest interest. Okay, interesting. And are you combining any like touches on social with your emails as well? Like, are you mm-hmm. combining emails with LinkedIn or, or are people in your space not too active there? Like, I- I'm interested to find that. Yeah, no, I, I investigated a lot um, about that in the last weeks and actually not so far. How we set it up, we have five emails, then um, three phone calls. If they don't reach them, they get retargeting emails a few weeks afterwards. Um, but what I find super difficult um, on LinkedIn, for instance, is that you cannot sync it with your CRM system properly. So, so chances are high, especially in our industry, that you reach out to, to existing customers, to people you have already talked to. And that's kind of like, at least from my perspective, um, unprofessional. That's why we have not found a good solution for that so far. Maybe you know more about it. How do you do it? So, yeah, so I don't do that anymore. Like I don't, like we're fortunate now where we're not doing any outreach for Hey Digital. Like everything's back, which is great. But when I was like first getting started and I was just trying to like be a bit more growth hacky, I guess, right? Like I was doing different email outreach, different LinkedIn outreach. I'm not sure if they're still around now, but of course, I'm sure most people listening to this know about a couple of the different like LinkedIn automation mm. platforms and stuff like that. I know there are some that have, that have like Zapier integrations, which would then mean you could connect them with the CRM. But I, I haven't used one for a while and I'm pretty sure they are a little bit, a little bit ropey. Sometimes you're not like, a, you're not supposed to use that kind of stuff, but I guess depending on what's <laughs> your business, yeah. people don't really care about that. Um, but B, like you said, if you're trying to be very specific with your audience and you don't want to like, double up on someone or message a current customer, I think it's probably not the, not the safest way, like relying on a Zapier integration with a slightly iffy tool. Uh, I don't know, but I'm sure maybe people listening to this might have some ways that they are combining email with LinkedIn outreach with their CRM system very well. If they do, I'll actually, if you're listening to this and, that, and that's you, I would encourage you to like either message me directly. Florian might be interested in hearing from you as well. So here's- More than interested, yeah. <laughs> and stuff will be- underneath the show notes for that. And um, maybe if someone's doing that really well, that could be a cool 
podcast episode as well. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about PR because I know that's important to you guys. And I kind of feel like some of that might also tie in with your email strategy as well. But tell me a bit more about how you guys have used PR to help grow Container Exchange. Yes. In our industry, there's round about there's five, six really, really important website magazines and you really want to be in those, uh, featured in those. And there's obviously a handful of other magazines that are, that are nice um, for us to, to be featured inside them. But how I see PR is um, that we don't want to create these boring press releases. Hey, we launched feature ABCD with the best company ever. Can you please write about that? So from my perspective, it's always having unique data combining it with something newsworthy, um, in our case, COVID-19 now, and then chances are high that this somehow goes viral in, within an industry. Um, to give you an example, um, we have developed an index to forecast container availability in most of the biggest port locations worldwide. And this was really nice for us to combine that data that no one else has with COVID-19 um, because that put us into a situation where we could pretty much forecast container um, supply and demand and gave them tips on how to reposition equipment. And yeah, that actually resulted in like calls from The Economist and from uh, TV interviews at our office. And that was really, really successful, yeah. also cool. in terms of inbound leads. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask, and that, I'm guessing that led to like leads for the business as well, right? Yeah, definitely, yes. But you like, at least in our industry, there's not... There's not, you cannot really like scale the business with PR, but it still plays an important role because if you are featured in these magazines, it's trust building, people at least see you, um, but it's difficult to, to like only scale through PR. That's why it was always important to have that um, email outreach set up next to it, but definitely. And I think it's super, super important in PR to kind of have these like personal relationships with people. Because if you cold email them and just share something with them, no, like they will immediately delete your email. Um, but if they know you, if you have really like, yeah, if you have really like good relationship with them, you can just text them on LinkedIn. And sometimes it's even as casual as like, hey, bro, uh, we developed this solution. Could it be interesting for you? And then you go from there. This is the most important part to kind of understand what they want from you, understand how their business works, and then um, deliver them great stories. That's a win-win situation for all of them, all of us. Mm -hmm. How often do you guys go about kind of building out? Because it's almost like a little side project, right? That yes. ties into the business. Like, how often do you guys go about building those out? Obviously, it makes sense given the current situation in the world, like why you would do something like that. Do you then have like a, do you have like a calendar of, hey, every six months, we're going to try and do something to get us some more coverage? Or like, how, do you, how do you approach those kind of things? Yeah, not so much with like specific features. That's more project and ideally it works out well that we can also use it for a press release however we want to call it but we were super successful with yeah, market reports i would call it we aim at publishing one market report per quarter like last one for instance was that we set up two fake companies and did a mystery shopping report that was um, quite successful and um, where we kind of tested our yeah our audience and potential customers found out how good or bad um, they um, are with soc containers the type of containers that we deal with and then we first of all had a nice um, report and we could like show them like black and white okay this is this is how you perform compared to your competition for for for, for enabling sales and like getting in touch with them and the other part was like having unique data again for for a press release for for a leak capturing and so on so that kind of like was super good for us in both directions so. yeah i think those are two things that are really or one thing that's really interesting is that point around having unique 
data and also having unique data within an area that is actually interesting to your target yes. persona. Because like what you've said in those like market reports that you did in the piece that you did around COVID, like that tracker, none of that is directly positioning container exchanges like features and, and products, but it's all stuff that is interesting to your target customer and can tie back into how using something like container exchange can help them and support them. And I think that's like one huge takeaway that people can take from this when they're thinking about any kind of PR or even just to be honest, like marketing assets that they're creating in general is not always going down the route of everything being about you and your product and this new feature instead trying to build stuff that's actually interesting and relevant for your target customers, especially when it's like, industries where maybe your sales cycle is a little bit longer or people need a bit more warming up and education and it's not just a quick transactional purchase where someone sees an ad and then buys something to pay away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, okay. I have a couple more questions before we start to wrap things up. Like if, um, if a SaaS like marketer comes to you and would say, hey, look, Florian, I know that you've done a good job scaling out um, cold email at Container Exchange. What would be like one tip that you have for me? Like what's, I know there's so many different things, but what's like one thing that really comes to mind to you personally when it's thinking about building out a successful cold email campaign? Um, to be honest, for me, it's, it's always about the people because of course you need to technically um, set up um, templates and like the tools you use. But for email outreach, it's the freelancers in the end um, that find contact information for you. And that's the, that's the most crucial part to incentivize them first of all to to motivate them to keep them happy and also with freelancers it's not just like like a service provider and you pay them for 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 a certain amount of of contacts per week but if you like establish a nice relationship with them if you treat them as friends they will be more happy you will be more, you will be more happy and that's that's the most important part because it might be easier in other industries but you need um, these people who manually look up like, like people on LinkedIn and Google and they need to know all those like small tricks. And the, the, yeah, the more motivated they are, the more you can trust them, the easier it is for you. Because the worst thing you can do is that you have these freelancers, they send you a batch of, let's say, 100 contacts. And if you have to manually check all of them, you can forget to scale. It will never work. So, so this is this is the most important part. And then in terms of like tools and templates, the best thing is, yeah, you, you got to start at one, one, one point and the first email templates will probably suck, but then you like optimize over time, uh, optim, optimize them over time. You get better, you find better tools, you become more efficient. But in the end, it's always about the people. Yeah, for sure. And just quickly, how do you, how do you go about keeping those like freelancers motivated and happy? What, what do you do to do that? <laughs> yeah. My bit, like we we tested to to like incentivize them with money. If you find one contact, you get this amount. If you find the second one, you get even more. But to be honest, that was the worst decision that we made because that like changes the conversation to to you end up only talking about money. You end up talking about five cents. Say, hey, I found this contact, blah blah blah, and that was not my fault. And that's the worst thing you can do. Uh, the worst thing um, that can happen. So so. I mean, you, you, you treat them like you would treat a friend. You show, you show respect, you, 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 you show some understanding that, I don't know if, they, if, if something happens to them, if they're sick, completely fine, do it. If they deliver bad quality one week, you like, show them how they can improve and you, 
you you still stick with them you trust them next week they will deliver better results and that that's what that's what it's all about yeah. isn't it kind of sad how how that advice is so like obvious to people like me and you right it's just like being a nice human being but unfortunately a lot of people don't take that angle but, working with freelancers and stuff right listen, that, that's not only for freelancers but for for every i'd say professional relationships that people have as soon as people like people want to get treat like if I like if I meet you on the street, like we would immediately be friends and we would be nice to each other, we would talk to each other. But as soon as people like switch context to the business context, they write different email templates, they want to be more formal and so on, and they treat people differently. And that's kind of the, the biggest learning I had in the last four or five years. That it's about people. If you're nice to people, they're nice to you, and that you don't you don't fire someone just for, for, for like one like one one mistake they made, for instance. Yeah, because it, it I think tools and like processes are just a commodity. You can always like improve them. You will find better tools over time, but you need to rely on a team and, and the people um, you surround yourself with. That's single most important thing yeah, in every industry. Yeah, for sure. That's really good advice. Okay, so just one last question, which I asked yeah. everyone at the end of these interviews. What's one thing in marketing at Container Exchange at the moment that you're finding challenging or, or difficult? Good question. I find it difficult, maybe it's just me personally, to set up paid funnels on LinkedIn, actually, because um, retargeting on LinkedIn is super easy. They've been on our website. You can show them a case study, discount, whatever. There's many different options. But then kind of, yeah, Facebook has different targeting options. Um, but then on LinkedIn, it's super, super difficult. You don't want to target a new audience directly with an aggressive sales offer. That will never work. So you ideally want to go with like good content. You want to get them like excited about your company and then like slowly track them into um, what, you got, what you have to offer. But that's, that's a huge uh, challenge. Maybe because LinkedIn is still, still a little behind uh, like Facebook in terms of like advertisement options but i don't know how, how you solve that i bet um you always you also go with like community building and you're trying to to create nice content but I'm not sure if you have experience with linkedin ads yeah so i'll give a real quick answer to you here and then okay. when we when we pause this and we when we stop recording i'm gonna show you something real quick if you have time on my like screen share as well so one thing we found with linkedin as you mentioned Often it can be like compared to, let's say, Facebook or social ads or even Google sometimes, it can be pretty, pretty expensive and it's still at the very early stages of its advertising like capabilities and ad buying features. We found that if you go, if you go like direct response with LinkedIn, if you just serve an ad to a cold, a cold person mm -hmm. that says, hey, this is what we do, come and sign up for a demo or contact us, whatever. Um, often it doesn't work too well. And if it does work, the costs are very high. Sometimes that doesn't matter too much because often the lead quality is better because you're so stringent on the targeting, but you could pay the same amount on Facebook and get like three times as many leads, for example. Um, however, one thing that I would recommend that I'm going to show you after this is LinkedIn conversational ads. So they're new, they're in beta testing, but I actually think, although it's beta, I think everyone has access to them. Those have been very good um, from what we've seen so far with a few different people for lower cost, like almost direct response kind of marketing, getting people onto calls or showing an interest. So I'll show you some examples of that after this call. But for anyone listening to this, first of all, go and check out the LinkedIn conversation ads. If they go to my LinkedIn profile, I actually did two different link or three different LinkedIn live videos. One where I set up an ad, a conversational ad, 
One where I interviewed a guy called Jason, who's the VP of marketing at Metadata, and he was seeing good results with them, and he shared his process. Um, so check those out. And then I would also say, if you are going to do LinkedIn ads, we found them, aside from the conversational ads, we found it best to just lead with content and be a bit more top of funnel instead. But it's still not the most cost-effective place to do that. But that's just some some quick advice. But I think I'll, I'll wrap things up there because Florian, we're kind of coming up to time. But thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing some tips around cold email, around PR. There was some really valuable stuff in there. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you for spending the time and coming on the show with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. If people have questions about like tool setup and about like specific processes, like always happy to help. Um, just reach out to me or Dylan directly. Yeah. Awesome. I'll make sure to put all of your contact information like below this podcast or video or wherever they're watching it as well. So yeah, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Dylan.